for grow group, we're just, I thought we'd talk through this, and then when you get into your grow groups, we can, there's some questions and things to go through. But when, when, when you think about 1 Corinthians 15, we're looking at Paul's statement about resurrection and the gospel, and we simply put, uh, let me turn it on, simply put, the, the message is the death and resurrection of Christ. Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again, again for us. And we, we think about the message of Easter and that great thing. And, and I love First Peter where he says we have a living hope. Because our Savior is alive and everything dealing with us is that we have a, a living hope. We have a Savior who died and rose again. Isn't it amazing? Our message is not that we had this uh, special teacher that taught 2,000 years ago and people follow his teachings and then he died and so we want to carry on his teachings. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is that, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again, paying for the sins of mankind and giving eternal life to all who simply believe. So it's a totally different thing. So what about, we worship on Sunday. It's the first day of the week. Why? Because Jesus rose on the first day of the week. When they came out early that morning, Sunday morning, it was Sunday morning, he was already gone. So he rose on the first day of the week. Every Sunday is resurrection day. We've talked about this in the past. We should remember that when we come together on the first day of the week, we're coming together because Jesus rose from the grave on the first day of the week. So every Sunday we should be remembering that great truth. So we're going to be looking at some things. So as we begin, I want to go to 1 Corinthians 15, and I want us to think about something. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 says this, Paul said, now brethren, I make known to you the gospel. When we hear the word gospel, it, it has an idea of good news, a good news message. And, and when we say, what exactly is the message? Because we say, when you say gospel, there's a message, there's a response, and there's an offer. But what is the message? Well, if you look a little further down in 1 Corinthians 15, if you go to verse 3, he says this, for I delivered to you the person's importance that I also received, Christ died for our sins, and then he says, According to the Scripture, talks about being buried and raised on the third day according to the Scripture. So let's stop for just a second. Verse 3 again says, For I delivered to you of first importance that I also received. Now, Paul got it from Jesus. This is why he says, This is the message I received. He didn't get it from Peter. He didn't get it from James or John, any of those. Jesus, Paul said, My message came directly from Jesus Christ. So here's the message, that Christ died for our sins. And then he says something according to the Scripture. And so we look at this and we go, wait a minute. Jesus died according to the Scripture. What Scriptures? Well, it has to be Old Testament. I mean, the New Testament stuff really hadn't been written hardly yet. When the first Corinthians fit there, there's a very few letters and books maybe already written. So he said, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And then he says, he rose again on the third day. Notice, according to the what? To the Scriptures. Well, what Scriptures? Old Testament. So if I said to you, where in the Old Testament does it say he's going to die? And where in the Old Testament does it say he's going to reign? Some of us might say, well, I think over here in Isaiah or something. But, you know, here's the bottom line. We're going to look at that. We're going to see some places in the Old Testament where it talked about he's going to die. And, in fact, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the Old Testament prophecy concerning the Messiah. And then we're going to see the fulfillment in Christ. Did Jesus fulfill the prophecies? The answer is yes. And then what, are, what is the results? What happens here? And then what is our response? And so it's sort of a, uh, it's, it's a little bit more complicated. This is a lot more complicated than the Sunday morning message I just talked about. This is a grow group. This is a people that we come together every week. We talk about the Bible. We, the, the Sunday morning message 
especially on Easter Sunday, is a very basic, general message. This is more detailed. So let's talk about it. What about Old Testament prophecies, and how does all this fit? So let's look first at Old Testament prophecy concerning the Messiah. And if you go back to the Old Testament, what you find about the Messiah, there are two key things, two key things. One, that he, the, death, that he, that's called the death and resurrection, that he would die to bear the sins of many. This Messiah, this one started from Adam and Eve to Noah to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob on to Judah, on to David, on to Daniel, all the way. This, this Old Testament prophecies said this Messiah would bear the sins of mankind, would pay the sins of mankind, and, number two, rise from the dead, never see corruption. So we say, okay, yeah, we got that. That's, that's the gospel, isn't it? The death and resurrection, the death according to the Scriptures, what Scriptures, Old Testament, the resurrection according to the Scriptures, what Scriptures, the Old Testament. So let's talk about it. Did the Old Testament say that he would die? Did the Old Testament say he'd rise from again? The answer is yes. So let's look at the fact that he would bear the sins of many. I want you to turn to Isaiah 53. Just turn back in your Bible. You get back over to the, the Old Testament and go to Isaiah 53. By the way, Isaiah 53 is one of the most famous passages in the Old Testament. And, and if you don't want to turn there, that's okay. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what it says, but it's good to look at verses yourself and to see some great truths. So it said that we said that he would bear the sins of many, and Isaiah says he's going to do that. Now, I want you to see three things. And these three things that are found in Isaiah, we're going to see, did Jesus Christ fulfill these three things? So here's the first one. He would be rejected. Isaiah 53, 3. Look what it says. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hid their face, he was despised and they did not esteem him. He was rejected. Jesus Christ was rejected. Oh, let's put it this way. The coming Messiah would be rejected. He would be despised. He would be forsaken. He would be rejected. That's what it said. Okay? But there's more. So try to remember this. Okay? There's more. He would be obedient. Look at Isaiah 53 verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is silent before its shears, he did not open his mouth. He, he did exactly what he is supposed to do. The Messiah would do that. And then there's one other thing. He took our sin. Isaiah 53 verse 5, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chasing of our well-being fell on him. By his scourgings we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, each one our own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Verse 12 goes on to say, Therefore I will allot him a portion with the great. Why? Because he poured himself out to death. He was numbered with the transgressions, and he bore the sin. So when you think about the Old Testament Messiah, he would be rejected. He would be obedient. He would take sins and die. That's because he was going to bear the sins of mankind. Okay? So remember those three things, if you can. Because there's a second thing. He would not only bear the sins of many, but he would rise from the dead. So Psalm 1610. And let me just, without you having to turn to Psalm 1610, it says this. First of all, he would not stay dead. It talked about that the Holy One would not stay dead. Number two, I'm going to give you this number two, that there would be no corruption. That means that he's going to die, but he's not going to stay dead long enough to corrupt, to the body to decay. You remember when the women went out on that, that Sunday morning, they were coming with spices because they were expecting the body to do what? 
to decay, but the Messiah is not going to decay. It, and that's why it says, you will not abandon my soul uh, or the, 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 you know, to the Messiah, to corruption. The third thing is he would show the way of life. Psalm 1611 says he shows the way of life. So let's stop. And so let me give you those three. Not stay dead, no corruption, the way of life. So what would this Messiah do? He would bear the sins of many. He would be rejected. He would be obedient. He would take on our sins. But he would rise again. He would not stay dead. He would not decay. And he would be the way of life. Now, here's the big question then. Because that's what the Messiah is going to do. Now, let me ask you a question. How many, how many people do you think at the time of Jesus, if you said to them, what's, what's the Messiah supposed to do? Would they have said, oh, he's going to die, Isaiah 53, and he's going to rise again, Psalm 16? Because let me ask you a question. If I said to you, go, go to the Old Testament passages, if, you didn't, if I didn't just go through these, would you know these places? Maybe not. And let me tell you what, you have a Bible. And you can read it anytime you want to. They didn't have Bibles. They, they, somebody there in the synagogues, there might have been some scrolls that were the scriptures that were read. But the average person didn't go, oh, let me go get my Bible. They didn't have them. So when we talk about he would bear the sins of many, he would be rejected, he would, uh, you know, he'd be rejected, be obedient, and take on the sin, that's Isaiah 53. He would rise again, he would not stay dead, he would not decay, and he would show the way of life, that's Psalm 16. So here's the big question. Was this fulfilled in Christ? Let me tell you this story, and most of you know the story because I've told it before. I was on an airplane flying from Dallas to Amarillo. I did that twice a week for two years. I was going to Dallas Seminary, but I was a youth pastor in Borger, Texas, so I'd go to Love Field, get on the plane, fly into Amarillo, drive to Borger, on a, that's on a Friday, and then on a, on a Monday, come back to Amarillo, fly back into Dallas and go to my apartment and start studying because I was still in school. And so one day, I, I, I get on the plane every Friday, and you never know who you're going to sit by. And I just so happened that I was, I was taking Hebrew, and I was taking Hebrew, and we were studying the book of Ruth. So as I got on the plane, I sat there, we flying. I'm sitting by this lady, older lady, and I pull out my Hebrew, and I'm trying to translate it, seeing if I can translate it. She says, you know Hebrew? I went, not really. <laughs> I said, I'm trying to learn it. She said, I'm Jewish. I said, I love Jewish people. She said, really? I said, yeah. She said, I'm Jewish. I said, so you're not Jewish. I said, no, no, I'm going to Dallas Seminary. I'm trying to learn Hebrew and everything. And she said, ah, oh, I wish I could have your faith. I said, what's your name? She said, I'm Miss Fepperman. She said, I own a bunch of Western stores in Amarillo you know, cowboy and western clothes. I said, great, great, great. I might get me a hat sometime, a cowboy hat sometime. She said, come anytime. I said, okay. She said, oh, I wish I could have your faith. I said, what do you mean? She said, I wish I could believe like you believe. I said, Miss Fepperman, you can believe like I believe. I said, let me ask you a question, Miss Fepperman. Would you be willing to look at the Bible, at Jesus Christ, and see if he fulfilled the promises of the Old Testament. In other words, would you be willing to look and see if Jesus is the Messiah? And she said, no. I said, Miss Fepperman, 
He is the Savior. If you look, you'll see he fit every prophecy. And you know what she did? She started crying and said, I wish I could have your faith. I said, Miss Weberman, would you look? No. So, what was the Old Testament Messiah supposed to do? He's going to die. What was he going to do? Bear the sins of many? He was going to be rejected. He was going to be obedient. He was going to show the what, you know, he was going to do, take the sins of mankind. Then he was going to rise from the grave. He would not stay dead. There would be no corruption, and he'd show the way of life. Isn't that what we just saw? Did Jesus fulfill that? Would Miss Fepperman have found out that if she would have looked at Isaiah 53 and Psalm 16 and then looked at Jesus Christ, would it have matched? We say what? Yes. So Matthew, in 16:21, Jesus talked about his death and resurrection, and you know there are five times just in Matthew that he says, I'm going to die, Isaiah 53, and I'm going to rise again, Psalm 16. That's what we see in the Scripture. So let's raise the question. Did Jesus fulfill that? Because remember, if he dies, he's going to be rejected. He's going to take the sins of mankind, all of that. Watch what happens. So first of all, he died for our sins. Was he rejected? What does John 1.11 say? He came into his own and his own received him not. He came to the Jewish people and offered himself as the Messiah. Do you remember, you remember the last time he offered himself as the Messiah? You know when it was? It was when he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, Zechariah 9.9, 9, the king comes on a donkey. He comes into Jerusalem riding on the donkey and proclaiming that he's the Messiah, and they rejected him. And what the religious leader said, would you tell these people to shut up? Even these children are making too much noise. And Jesus said, if we stop them, what? The rocks will cry out. He offered himself to Israel. He came into his own, and his own what? Didn't receive him. He was rejected. What was the Old Testament Messiah? He was going to bear the sins of many. He would be rejected. Here's the second thing. He was obedient. He said, I lay down my life. I've come to do the will of the Father. I've come not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom. I've come to lay down my life. Nobody takes it from me. I lay it down and I take it back up. I've come to do what my Father asked me to do. What did Isaiah say? That he would be obedient unto death. He would do exactly what he's supposed to do. What did Jesus do? He did exactly what he's supposed to do. And then the third thing, he's going to take man's sin. Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He took our sins. The Messiah is going to take our sins. What did Jesus do? 1 Peter 2.24, he bore in his body our sins when he was on the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for God has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Did Jesus Christ take the sins of mankind? Exactly. And so, just like in the Old Testament, the Messiah would be rejected, be obedient, and take man's sin, Jesus Christ was rejected, was obedient, and took man's sin. So far, so good. Now we got the resurrection. He's going to rise from the dead. And you remember that he would not stay dead. There would be no corruption, and he would show the way of life. Well, did he do that? Would Miss Fepperbun have found out that he actually did what Psalm 16 said? Well, did he stay dead? Luke 24, we're not going to take the time to just turn there, but in Luke 24, if you remember, the women went out to the tomb. 
We just read it on Sunday morning. If you were here for the first service, if you're going to be here for second service, you'll see this. The women go out to the tomb, and they're all worried to death because they said, how are we going to roll away the stone? We've got to get in there and anoint the body because it's going to begin to start smelling, and, and we've got to roll away the stone. But when they got there, the stone was rolled away, and they went, oh, no. And they looked in, and there was no body there. And the angel came and said, what are you doing here? Angels came and said, what are you doing here? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. He would not stay dead. Did Jesus not stay dead? Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus alive right now? Where is he? Where? He's seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. He also is in you. Because he's everywhere. Because he's God, right? He's not just a man. He's the God-man. So he can be everywhere and seated at the right hand of the throne. So he'd not stay dead. Guess what? Would he see any corruption? Now, I love the story, and we saw it, where Peter stands up and says... Jesus rose from the grave. Now, David quoted, and he quotes Psalm 16, and talks about how David, I mean, David wrote about how the Messiah would not see corruption and that he'd be raised from the dead. And then Peter says, David's tomb is over there. He's still there. Jesus isn't. No corruption. He's raised from the grave. Is that the greatest message? You know, we, we hear it so much that we forget that we're saying Jesus died and rose again. And so, no corruption. And, and think about this. When did the body start corrupting in those days? Have you thought about that? They'd take a body, and they'd usually wrap it, and they'd put stuff, and then they'd put it in a tomb, and they would wait a certain number of days and come back because now the body's beginning to be corruptible, and they'd start putting stuff on it until there was nothing left but bones. You understand that a family might have a tomb... And they'd have a box in that tomb called an ossuary. It'd be a big box. And they would take the bodies and they would wrap it up and they would keep anointing it until there's nothing but bones left. Then they'd take the bones and put them in the box. And then the place is ready for the next person that would die in their family. That's how they did it. So do you realize that after about four days is when the body started really corrupting so if you remember when Jesus died on the cross, Joseph of Arimathea and who else took him down? Nicodemus. And they took the body and Nicodemus brought a huge amount of uh, myrrh and all the spices to anoint the body. So they anointed the body and put him in the tomb. The ladies have waited past three days and three nights. This is now the fourth day. And after the fourth day, what happens to the body? It's starting to corrupt. So they're coming out there that morning saying, we got to go in there and the hard part's going to be moving the stone because we got to go in there and anoint the body because by this time, it's going to start really smelling. How long did Jesus wait when Lazarus died? Why did he wait four days? Because he wanted people to realize that by then, the body should have already what? Started corrupting. But he said, Lazarus, come. You remember what the sister said? She said, don't, don't move that thing because it's going to really stink. It's going to really smell. After how many days? Four days. There was also tradition that said that the spirit of a person hovered over their body for three days and they might come back from the dead. And so after four days, it's too late. So that's why. Did he have corruption? Did Jesus see corruption? No. He wasn't in the grave long enough. 
He was there three days and three nights. Look that up. Let me just throw one thing out just because we got plenty of time. There's a lot of people, tradition says that Jesus died on what day? What day? Friday. Why? Why do they say Friday? Because the next day was what? Saturday. It was the Sabbath, right? So Jesus had to die on Friday because the next day was Saturday. And then he rose on Sunday. But Jesus says in Matthew 12, 38 through 40, that as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, the Son of Man must be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. You can't get three days and three nights if he dies on Friday. He died on Wednesday. Look it up. Okay, but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll teach it sometime if you want to, but they, he died on Wednesday. And so by this time, they're thinking what? Should be corrupted. It's not. He's gone. And what was the third thing? He would declare the way of life. What did Jesus say? I am the way and the truth and the life. And John, John eleven twenty five. 25, I am the resurrection and the... Let me, let me throw one thing out just because once again we have time. When Martha came out to see Jesus, she said, "If because this is Lazarus has died, four days have passed, she comes out to see Jesus and says, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And when Mary comes out, she says exactly the same thing. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus makes a statement. He says, your brother will rise again. She says, of course... In the resurrection, when you raise everybody up, he will rise again. That's not what Jesus meant. Jesus then said these words, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection is not an event, it's a person. Jesus raises people from the dead. He's the resurrection and the life. So he told her, we're not waiting till a future resurrection. I'm going to raise him right now. Let's just get out there and find out where he is and all that stuff, and we're going to raise him from the dead. See, Jesus declared the way of what? Of life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. In him was life. That's who he is. He's everything. So, we see clearly from the Old Testament Messiah that he'd bear sin and rise again, and that Jesus did what? He fulfilled the prophecies. He died and rose again, and he did exactly the three things that we saw from each one of those things. So who do you know that says they don't really believe, and you'd say, would you be willing to look in the Scripture and see if Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior? I had a friend that when I was coaching at Mississippi State, his name was Abishai ben Porah which means son of a fruitful vine. He was a Jewish guy, he and his wife, and they came to the United States. He was in the Air, Jewish Air Force. He was, had been a soldier. Uh, he was in one of the wars. He was in the 73 war. And uh, he was a great guy, but he didn't believe anything. And his wife was open, and they asked me to come eat lunch with them. So I went to eat lunch with them. And his wife is very open, and she said, would you tell me about Jesus? And he looked at me, and he picked up a newspaper, and he did this. And he never looked, but I think he listened the whole time. Some people are open. Some people aren't. Who do you know that, and, and the truth is, you don't know till you start talking to them whether they're open or not. So the Old Testament said the Messiah would bear sin 
and rise again, and Jesus fulfilled the prophecy perfectly. So what happens? What do we have because of this? We have the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, I deliver to you first importance, but I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the, what scripture? Isaiah 53, was buried and rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, what scriptures? Psalm 16. There they are. And so what is our message? He died and rose again. What's the response? Believe in Jesus. What's the offer? Eternal life. And let me just tell you all this, and we said it over and over, and I've got groups that meet on Thursday morning, Friday morning, different times, and we go over this over and over, and we say this. You want to share your faith, and you're afraid, just know John 3.16, which everybody knows. You know that, and you can do it. God so loved the world, he gave his son to die and rise again, that whosoever would believe, that's the response, would never, never perish but have eternal life. There it is right there. The message, the response, and the offer is found in John 3.16. We can go out these doors today just knowing one verse and able to clearly share the gospel message. It, it does not have to be complicated. In fact, it's very simple. Did Jesus die for our sins? Yes. 1 Peter 2.24, 1 John 2.2, he's the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates love toward us while we're yet sinners. Christ, what? Died for us. Did he rise again? He did. Luke 24, 1 through 7 shows it. He's the resurrection and the life. In Adam all die. In Christ all will be made alive. Christ is the first fruits, the first one to ever come back from the dead. He rose again, conquering death. So what do we see? The Old Testament bears sins. Isaiah 53, rise again, Psalm 16. Jesus fulfilled the prophecy. He died, taking sin, rose again, conquering death. The results is we have what we call the gospel, the good news message. So what is our response? Well, for some, and I said this in the first service, which I don't usually do all the time, but there may be some people even in this room. Now I look around and I see, um, I know just about everybody, but there may be somebody in this room who've never believed in Christ for eternal life. That you heard, the, you heard something different all of your life. You heard, go to church, walk down an aisle, give your life to Jesus, make him Lord of your life, be willing to serve him, uh, get baptized, all of these different things. And they're all works for salvation. But Jesus offers the gift of eternal life. Whoever believes in him will never perish but have what? Eternal life. It's faith. And if there's anyone in this room who's never believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, right now, right where you're sitting, you don't have to get up, you don't come down an aisle, you don't have to do anything. You simply believe in him that he would give you the gift of eternal life. The night I trusted Christ as my Savior, I was in the front seat of a car after the Bible study, after hearing the message that Jesus died for me and rose again, and if I would believe in him, I'd have eternal life. In the seat, front seat of a car, going to get a hamburger, I believed in Jesus Christ that he would give me eternal life. It's that simple. You don't have to be in church. You don't have to walk down an aisle. You don't have to do anything. You believe in him for eternal life. For those of us who know Jesus Christ, we've got to tell the message. It's very, very simple. I, I want to read. I'm gonna, I've got uh, something to put up here in just a second. I'm going to read it to you. I don't want you to have to turn there. I just want you to listen to this, and I'll get to it in just a second. But we get to proclaim the great message. And it's not hard. And it's... You know, we all know that it's a spiritual battle, and if you say to yourself, I'll start sharing my faith when I'm not nervous about doing it, you'll never share it. Because it's a, it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. You're, you've, got the greatest, you've got a message that will take a person from death to life. And you think that the fallen world system and Satan who controls the system, you think he would want people to believe in Christ? No. 
So you're in a spiritual battle. When we talk to people about Christ, it's a spiritual battle. So if you think, well, I'm, when I feel real good about it, I'll go do it, you're not going to ever feel real good about it because it's a spiritual battle. Second Timothy, listen to this. Paul says to Timothy, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, but join with me in suffering for the gospel. He says, don't be ashamed of the message. Don't be ashamed. And then he says this. Jesus Christ has appeared who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He died and rose again, paying for sin and conquering death. And every one of us in this room who know Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. We know we're saved. We're saved forever. And what should we do? We should go tell people. And when I'm telling you to go tell people, I'm telling me to go tell people. Because I'm not that good at it either. And we all should be better. We should all look for opportunities. Now, here's the most amazing thing. If you look for opportunities, they'll be there. If you don't look for opportunities, they won't be there. So when you get up, say, Lord, give me some opportunities. And you'll be amazed how soon they are.